and welcome to Inside the Bradfield Centre. My name is James Parton and I'm the Managing Director of the Bradfield Centre. And I'm Adelina Chalmers. I'm known as the Geek Whisperer. The guest today is Tim Robinson, the COO at Take East. Looking forward to chatting to Tim about just the east of uh, England. What's hot? You know, what kind of companies are in the region, and maybe talk a little bit more about how maybe COVID has impacted companies in the east. Hi, Tim. Lovely having you on the show again. Uh, can you give us just a little introduction about you and your background, first of all, for people who who don't necessarily know you yet? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. Um, It's good to be here. Uh, So, yeah, I'm Tim Robinson, and I'm Chief Operating Officer at Tech East, and I've been doing this role for about three and a half years now. I mean, my background really is in digital business, uh, technology, uh, content, and also I've done quite a lot over the years around skills and training and education, which I guess fits in quite well with uh, the idea of a tech ecosystem yeah so i mean my my career really sort of started in the publishing industry uh in the late 90s i guess that industry was rapidly digitizing with the advent of ebooks and the internet and all of those things which which really meant that you know as a content as a as a profession in the content industry i also had quite quickly to become a profession in the in the tech industry and then over the years i've worked in a variety of contexts i've worked for uh, independent uh, startups. I've worked for private sector companies. I've worked uh, for nonprofit organizations. And latterly, I guess, at the intersection of all of those things, so business, education, and the public sector. That's an interesting and varied career, Tim. Um, tell us a little bit more about Tech East then. I mean, I'm sure most people have... Uh... Yeah, sure. So uh, Tech East was created back in 2016 to you know as an independent tech cluster organization really for the east of england particularly focused on the kind of eastern part of the region so norfolk and suffolk um really in recognition that while there was a lot of uh really good entrepreneurial tech startup activity going on and some really really interesting programs and uh support coming from universities and from sort of independent meetup groups and so on that we lacked some kind of critical mass i suppose as far as uh, a national the, the national perspective so whereas for example london manchester cambridge bristol places like that were already quite well established as as, as tech hubs the challenge really in the rest of the east of england was to try and pull it together and get some kind of scale and some sort of voice really to be able to speak to the audiences that i think matter for tech businesses so clearly investors is one of those uh, but also government and other support organizations national agencies and so on people like tech nation or innovate uk and we brought together really a group of founders and stakeholders across Norfolk and Suffolk and working closely with the sort of adjacent tech hubs in Cambridge, uh, in Essex, and also in London 
to really sort of pull it all together under one roof and thereby to try and accelerate the growth of the sector, the businesses in the sector, and kind of shout about it much more on the national stage and uh, and internationally. Yeah. A quick, quick supplementary then. I mean, how, how do you kind of measure the success of the organisation? Is it through the, the growth in membership or the kind of spotlighting activity in the region? Or? Well, I guess the proof is already always going to be in, you know, do the businesses in the region feel a, a, a difference as a result of what we do? So we would look at a number of measures. So at the sort of high level, we do have some sort of hard measures about recognition for the region on the, on on a, on a national level. Uh, that's that's sometimes hard to hard to measure uh, with tangible with sort of tangible measures. But it is about do we have a reputation for openness, for collaboration, for being easy to understand and easy to access. And then we have some hard measures which are linked partly to the way that we were initially funded around job creation and um, economic, you know, value add and productivity. But, you know, I suppose our three main themes, if you like, James, are, you know, first, it's about promoting the region and, and, and lobbying government. And are we getting some traction for the region uh, nationally and internationally? Secondly, you know, are we really connecting innovative businesses with the opportunities that are out there for them if they only are able to leverage them? And, and thirdly, you know, are we doing a good job about sharing best practice and knowledge and kind of curating all the best of what's going on in the east of England and pulling it all together in one place? So those are, those are the sorts of things we look at in terms of measurement. Can you give us an example of a, a, a highlight from the region or some superstar companies that you worked with? Well, um, there are almost too many to uh, pick out single winners. I mean, interestingly, we have just launched a new program called Tech East 100. Uh, that was actually um, uh, that, that was actually announced and revealed last week. Tech East 100 sort of seeks to identify 100 really sort of standout tech companies in the east of England, well, primarily in Norfolk and Suffolk. The, there are They weren't ranked in any particular order, although we did have a judging panel that, that, that did assign scores to them. So it's probably not fair to sort of pull out kind of, you know, particular winners from the Tech East 100. But certainly there are companies within that that I think are really really interesting and worth noting i mean so one is developing experts who are based up in norfolk uh who were one of the tech nation rising stars companies last year who have really i think uh seen sort of sort of hyper growth this year with covid um in terms of delivering online science lessons uh working with industry uh it's a really slick platform They've got fantastic traction in the UK and in China now. And um, I would expect developing experts to be, if not quite a household name, then certainly a sort of star company um, you know, that's well known within the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, another really great company is Chorus Intelligence in Suffolk. Um, they are a data, really a sort of, they are a data company that, analyzes, cleanses, and manages data on behalf of police forces. And they've got very, very good market share within UK police forces. 
uh, their product is super slick and um, they are known very well in that niche. Uh, but I would say as a, as, as a business and in terms of a growth story, you know, really fantastic. And then, you know, there's some, some really interesting ones coming through off the back of open banking. So, you know, perhaps the East of England isn't that closely associated with fintech. You know, you tend to think of fintech as being a kind of London thing or maybe an Edinburgh thing, Paris. But, uh, you know, a couple, couple of recent ones, Snoop and Upside, are both, you know, all around leveraging open banking from a saving perspective. So they are B2C um, and really, really uh, doing well. Snoop had a successful raise a few months back and Upside's right at the end of its sort of seed round. So I, I can see a lot of innovation coming in around fintech and open banking. I mean, that's really exciting to hear. I mean, you've obviously been leading techies since the beginning. I mean, what what kind of changes have you seen over those over those years? And uh... So, yeah, um, what am I seeing? Well, I mean, I think it's almost the game of two halves. You know, there was everything before um, March this year and there's everything that's come afterwards. And there's I think there's a, a massive inflection point around around COVID, uh, which we'll probably come on to talk, talk about a little bit more before. But essentially, you know, it, it was a steady build all the way through from when I started at the beginning of 2017 of companies getting uh, to be known, I think, in terms of their fundraising rounds, some exits uh, and and some success stories. And, and, and that wasn't something that we, you know, we made happen. It was something that was happening already as a phenomenon. And Techies just helped sort of catalyze it and put it all together. Uh, you know, there have been some really, really good startups come through that process. And Pickle, for example, uh, which is an insure tech, uh, similar, similar name, Picker, a really fantastic platform for temporary staffing, uh, in, uh, particularly in the telecom sector now. You know, those are companies that sort of either came about or, or, or were already started before, before, before we got going. Uh, but, you know, I think the other thing that we've sort of seen happen since covid is more confident pivots by businesses you know so i think it demonstrates that some depth of capability and resilience and sort of innovation talent you know i do do think that this is a story now for the east of england as a whole not just about cambridge and the cambridge cluster which has been doing a fantastic job for maybe 40 years and certainly in tech for at least sort of 30 so I think we've got a really good. I think we've got a really good region. Um, I think the, the the big thing that I'm seeing happen at the moment, and this is probably about the tech sector as a whole maturing, and this isn't just in the UK, is that you know I'm no longer seeing it as a sort of separate silo from the rest of the economy. I mean, the tech, you know, digital businesses have 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 been you know obviously very very attractive to investors and to stock markets over the last. 15, 20 years uh, with some of the biggest companies in the world, obviously pure digital. But now it's more about, you know, how digital is applied in other industries, not just in business, but also in the third sector and the public sector, you know, the whole tech tech for good thing. And, you know, it's also about, um, I guess, you know, the technology community within the east of England actually playing its role in terms of a sort of national economic recovery. That 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 is now 
I think, a real a real phenomenon. Well, in some ways, COVID has forced, you know, even the smallest kind of, uh, um, you know, corner shop operation to embrace technology. And to- right. I mean, that's exactly right. And um, I mean, a, cu- a couple of examples that I've talked about with founders and senior teams over just the last week. I mean, one was around kind of retail and hospitality and the fact that, uh, you know, independent retailers, shops and, 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 and cafes and restaurants you know, have had to, in some cases, in order to survive, have had to go into an e-commerce model and sort of digitise their businesses pretty rapidly. I mean, another is just doctor surgeries. You know, one of the companies we deal with, Engage Health, which is very much in the in the in in the market of providing digital and tech solutions for doctor surgeries. You know, some of those small independents and um, and small 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 surgery, um, you know, small groups of surgeries really didn't have a way to interact with their with with patients and 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 customers online and and now do so i think you know covid simply accelerated something that was probably going to happen anyway but it's done it incredibly quickly i can't agree with you more um i i was actually um talking about this with a friend the other day uh, who was saying that before she used to have to queue up on the phone to get to um, to see a doctor for something that she only needed a referral letter. She didn't actually need to see a doctor, but she, before COVID, she would have wasted, you know, 10 minutes of a doctor's time simply to get um, a referral letter. And apparently now she um, she just has to go online and um, and put her details. And she had a, a less than five minutes phone call with the doctor on the phone about it. And the referral letter was sent within five minutes. And before it had to be written down and posted and just madness. And um, I mean, during COVID itself, because I had to see my my doctor after I got out of hospital with COVID, and uh, my my appointments were all done with video camera, and um, and it was um, you know it was great. I didn't need to go in there. Um, he didn't. He actually needed a pulse and oxygen reading from me, but because I got a pulse oximeter at home, um, he didn't even need me to come into the office for that. I just did it and showed him the results over the camera, and that was it. Uh, and um, yeah, I think COVID has had actually lots of good side effects, obviously lots of bad ones as well. But yeah, I think you're right. It accelerated uh, digital health um, and, and it's made lots of appointments much more accessible and frankly cost effective. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's right. And um, in some ways, I mean, I think you could say that COVID has it, it's resulted in a number of kind of small triumphs um, for small organizations and small tech companies and niche players, perhaps more so than, you know, the grand sort of digital solutions that governments have been trying to implement to, you know, tackle COVID, whether it's, you know, around contact tracing or, you know, implementing AI solutions on in, on a grand scale. I mean, I'm sure there's a load of that been going on too, but we've probably heard more of a mixed bag from, you know, from the media about, you know, has tech been able to step up during this period? Well, my view is that it certainly has, but it's stepped up in in all of these like hundreds and thousands of small success stories rather than, you know, one big thing. So maybe it is a bit of a, a you know, a bit of a reset almost. You know, we've got these enormous tech platforms and, you know, companies that dom- dominate, I think certainly in the consumer, in consumers' minds, the tech landscape. But actually, it's the little guys and the, and, and, and the small and, and the small and their clients and customers who've done who've done best. 
I mean, you hear about the kind of local businesses on the on the high street kind of benefiting from COVID because people aren't, you know, traveling as much. They're shopping closer to home. Have you, I mean, due to the kind of the styles of digital businesses in the East, have you, do you think the East has been um, affected in, in, a, in a specific way compared to the rest of the UK? Or, or do you just think it's, you know, sim- the- Yeah, I mean, I think that, I'd say anecdotally, you know, when I talk to my sort of opposite numbers on the UK tech cluster group, which is, you know, people like Tech East, Manchester Digital, um, uh, Sunderland Software City, you know, um, TechSpark around the, around the country. I certainly haven't been hearing that other parts of the region have fared massively better or worse. I mean, that that I think we'll we'll, ha- we'll we'll just have to see. I mean, the proof will be in terms of you know I think some of the economic data that lags a bit behind. What I do think is that there's a there's a reasonable there's a reasonably high sense of confidence in the east of England tech business community that we're doing okay, that they're doing all right, that they have got a peer network now of other businesses that are also experiencing similar things and they can learn from. And, you know, there is a willingness to reach out, I think, because everyone's been working from home and it's, you know, perhaps less tied to a single office or a single town or city. And more, there is more, perhaps, openness to learning from the whole rest of the world. So, so you know, I mean, I think, I, th- I, think, I think businesses are, the businesses are doing as well as they can, but it does, I mean, without wanting to, you know, without wanting to under, you know, under, understate the successes depending on what market sector you're in um it, it, you know there have been areas where it's been quite tough so for example in some of the business to business you know some of the more service companies which which where 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 their where their income is based on major projects for clients you know some of those did get delayed uh, some of the more kind of nice to have stuff that people were planning to do some of the more innovative projects have, have been have been either shelved or or put on hold or, or delayed until next year. So, so not everyone has, has done equally well, but as a whole, I'd say the tech economy has been pretty resilient. And I think you, on the UK, you know, the UK landscape, you think about some of the things that we do well in the UK, digital health, AI, um, you know, um, so some, of the, some of the more applied stuff around manufacturing and industry 4.0, so more of the kind of IoT and uh, connected devices stuff, all of those growth or all of those big shifts that have been going on in society anyway are continuing to go on and COVID hasn't stopped them. It's just It just means that people have been concentrating in some cases on the short term a bit more. Just to pause the conversation a second and tell you a little bit more about the changes we're making at the Bradfield Centre, we now offer a whole range of new flexible membership packages which support home workers, hybrid home working blended with access to high quality office space and meeting room hire by the hour. Starting from as little as £45 per month, visit bradfieldcentre.com for more information or call 01223 919 600. Tim, if I'm a startup founder, um, what's the benefit of getting involved with Tech East? Can you tell us a bit more about that? So I think the way I'd, I'd look at that is if you're a founder and let's imagine uh, right now that there are 
people, a lot of people out there whose maybe whose jobs have been, you know, they, they, they might have been furloughed or their businesses might, you know, the industries they're in might have suffered quite sort of dramatically during during COVID, you know, that might have just a great idea that they've been kicking around in their head for a while and they're thinking, okay, what do I do next? How do I become an entrepreneur? How do I take that idea and translate it into reality? Well, I mean, the first thing I think you've got to do is to start is to start talking about that idea with some like-minded people. So you've got to find some like-minded people and you've got to start having those conversations. And that really is all about finding people that you can trust to talk to. And so what what Tech East does is we really have a a network of um, all kinds of um, you know all kind all, all kinds of entrepreneurs all kinds of in, in all kinds of markets. We've got investors, we've got business support organisations, we've got you know mentors of one sort or another, and we can put people in touch with other people, and that's that that's the fundamental thing I think that we do. We're a network, so it's all about networking. It's all about connections. And we have sought to replicate what we have been doing face to face online. So we run a lot of online events and we run a Friday morning breakfast networking session. And if, if, if someone wants to come along to one of those and just listen and find out about some interesting things that are going on or wants to speak up and say, well, I've got this idea. Can anyone help me? Or I'm looking for a CTO or I'm looking for a CMO or whatever it might be to join my team, we can we can help make those connections and 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 the import you know obviously there's some great kind of stuff that you can do on LinkedIn and there's some great stuff you can do with your existing network, but I think the other thing is you know with COVID with people working from home, we might be looking at someone who actually has usually commutes to London or commutes to Cambridge or. Um, or, or perhaps you know works outside the region, and getting that kind of regional knowledge of who's who and what's what uh, is something that we can help with. I mean, I'm certainly looking forward to getting back to some sense of reality, uh, Tim. I mean, obviously, you touched on a few things on how you know the, the, how Tech East and the Bradfield Centre have worked together uh, in the past. You know, the the Friday breakfast sessions, the the showcase events that we've run together to kind of spotlight, you know, Norwich and, and Ipswich startups in the Bradfield and to get them in front of the Cambridge investor community. Um, and I, and, and Tech East members still have access to the building through their passport, um, the, the ability to roam, you know, around the region to different co-working spaces. I mean, um, I'm sure you like, like me are kind of keen to, to get back to those good times. <laughs> Very keen when we can, yeah. Um, I mean, our, our building is still open, so if any of your members are looking for a you know, space to touch down and work safely in, in a COVID-secure environment, we would certainly uh, welcome them. Well, that's great. I mean, that's great to hear. And, um, I mean, hats off to the Bradfield Centre team for, um, cont- you know, uh, ploughing through a very difficult time, I'm sure. I mean, you know, when I, when I heard um, from you, James, that, you know, you were – gradually and and carefully reopening i was i was i was very pleased to hear it i mean at the, right now i think things like face to face events and breakfast networking and stuff you know just unfortunately just isn't possible um and i suspect that a lot of people wouldn't really be up for it anyway even if it were if if they were invited but uh it is possible to do things in a sort of hybrid model and what you just described which is the sort of touchdown in order to do some work in order to meet one or two people socially distanced 
in order to be in an environment that feels more business-like and more, uh, you know, sort of innovation-friendly than, say, your back bedroom. <laughs> is, um, uh, certainly my back bedroom is, is, is not a particularly uh, inspiring place to be, but um, I've, got, I've, got, I've got used to it being, being the office. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be the pattern for the next, you know, for the next few months and maybe, maybe, maybe for a few more months beyond that, People are going to be kind of grappling with kind of how, how to go about the business of work. And it's going to be a blend, isn't it, of homeworking, you know, occasionally going somewhere that might be a co-working space or an incubator or, a, you know, or, a, or, or, a, or a nice coffee shop or, or something in order to just actually get back into that rhythm and groove of, um, of, of, of sort of meeting people and serendipitous conversations. And then over time, things will will perhaps normalise. But it is going to be different for quite a while. And I think the message that you're open for business and uh, you know that, that this is a safe place, safe and enjoyable place to come and do some work, even if it's only for you know three hours on a one day a week or something, is 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 really positive. And we definitely encourage people to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're just open to conversations. You know, I'd, I'd love to hear from Techies members. Um, you know, how they envisage, um, you know, kind of having um, what, you know, what role office space might play in their future if it is going to be a hybrid. Because, you know, I think the great thing about our offer is we're hugely flexible. So, you know, based on what we've already heard, we've changed our membership membership structure to allow people to spend time at home in the Bradfield Centre and not be penalised for that, you know, with um, with excessive fees because they, they're paying for something they're not using. Um, in fact, if you want to exclusively work from home, you know, we can support you still through our uh, virtual office product. Um, and I don't know if you're seeing this, Tim, as well, but, you know, for teams that are working from home, there's still that need to occasionally come together for board meetings or a collaborative session or even just to see each other and, and have that social interaction. So, you know, opening up our, our meeting spaces and creating new types of spaces to to better facilitate collaboration is is something we've done too so um and maybe one thing we should try with you guys is we can now offer live streaming from our um auditorium so you know if you're not comfortable as an event organizer having a crowd in the room you can certainly bring your speakers into the uh, into the environment and and have a you know a professional live streaming capability out to your remote audience yeah i mean i think just picking up on a couple of those things james so you know, in reverse order, I guess, with the live streaming thing. Yeah, I mean, next week I'm going to be um, chairing a, a panel at a conference in a live streaming environment. Last with with me in the studio and the and the panelists um, streamed in to a screen like a kind of TV studio environment. Last week we did one over at Adastral Park, which was again that sort of hybrid live stream. Uh, and delivered on Zoom webinar, and uh, it works. You know, it's a bit different, but it's it's quite it's quite interesting kind of kind of kind of way of making events a bit more uh, dynamic and a bit more um, give them more of a buzz than a, just doing it off um, Zoom or um, hopping or whatever. Um, and then I think on the sort of board meetings things, yeah, I think that is really interesting, and I kind of think there's different markets for that, like for the startups that maybe don't have an office at all or just have sort of perhaps a co-work space that they, they you know that that's ideal it's ideal for a small team 
but also for bigger organizations, bigger tech organizations who may, dare I say, be thinking about what their corporate real estate strategy looks like for the next couple of years, whether the lease, the lease on that on the, on on that big office space, you know, whether they really want to continue to have that much space, you're still going to need somewhere to come, and you know, a high quality hub like Bradfield Centre, and you know, there are obviously others, other other brands are available, but um, that's. But, uh, but 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 given given that I'm a guest on the Bradfield Centre podcast, I'm uh, I'm I'm very keen to I think yeah stress that I think Bradfield Centre is the kind of quality environment that has been designed to meet the needs of businesses today. I mean, even though the Bradfield Centre has been open a couple of years, uh, it it's it, it it's well suited, isn't it? To social distancing because because it's a because because of the the very nature of it so i would i would certainly encourage people to check out the the, the um the facilities there at bradfield center if they haven't done so already obviously techies members are um as part of our partnership you know are, are always welcome and 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 and, and with open arms at the Bradfield Centre, uh, just open arms, but no touching. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I was just going to confirm there wasn't ever any touching even before COVID, just to, uh, just to reassure people. <laughs> um, you know, Tim, you mentioned about companies having big leases, office leases, and that's exactly the story that I heard the other day from a founder who told me he had to pay £40,000 for office space Frankly, he hasn't used this office space um, for the last six months. And um, in order to get out of this office space lease that he has, he has to give six months notice. And he's not really going to be able to use this office space for the next six months either. And it's a huge process of calling in surveys, uh, having lawyer fees. I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. Um, and this is when I realized how special actually the Bradfield Centre terms are, because as far as I know, at the Bradfield Centre, you just send an email and say, I don't want to be here anymore. And that's it. You don't need to call a survey or a lawyer to give formal legal notification. Um, you know, that's more like office space in the 21st century to me. But, you know, I may be naive. Well, no, I don't think that's naive at all. I mean, I think that what you just described is a sort of an un- un- unexpected um, sort of side effect, really, that COVID, COVID's brought around around the whole commercial property area. So, I mean, you know, when the when the nineteen fifty four Landlord and Tenant Act was drafted, I'm sure they hadn't envisaged things like social distancing um, and the impact that that would have on on leases. And I mean, you know, commercial property leases are you know not my area of expertise by any means, but I've always as always, as as I understand it, you know, the attraction of, of of being a member of a co-work space is that you've got flexibility. You kind of pay for the space as much as you need when you need it, to some extent. And if things change, if you have a pivot or you have an exit, or you know, you just you just decide that you just need to stop doing what you're doing and, and do something else, then a co-work space gives you that flexibility. And I know Bradfield, I mean. I know the Bradfield Centre has got some new, you know, sort of new propositions around virtual and sort of blended, and that's all that's all great. But I mean, it's a, it's just an example of another example of disruption, and it's kind of you know, it's not just the tech sector; it's just the disruption of, of of old industries. You know, commercial property, the idea of a big, say, central London or central Manchester or Cambridge office um, is is a bit of a at the moment feels like a bit of an anachronism 
at some point, of course, you know, it may be that those those things become extremely attractive again. And, you know, there is there is, on the other hand, this whole thing about, you know, kind of where you are. So for companies looking to hire the best talent globally, they've tended to sort of congregate around particular hubs and, and hotspots. So, you know, London's seen a massive boom in tech over the last 20 years. Um, so have so has somewhere like Norwich at a, on a smaller level. And that's been great. You know, it's been great for retailers and coffee shops, and it's been good for, you know, the, um, you know, the, the 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 people who collect the business rates, and you know, it's been good for commercial landlords, but and developers. But now um, it's very difficult, and 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 my, you know, my advice would always be, you know, if you're a if you're a founder and you're in the situation that you described yourself you know, is, 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 is to really shop around uh, and obviously get, get, get legal advice and so on and make sure that you know, you know what your options are. But, um, you know, do certainly look at that kind of hybrid model. Um, and the other great advantage with somewhere like Bradfield Centre is, is that there are other companies there, you know, there are other startups there. It's that thing about like-minded communities. Uh, so, you know, go to where the community is and the people that you can learn from and leverage rather than, you know, get stuck somewhere where you don't have access to those sorts of connections. Well, Tim, you know, as always, it's been a fantastic conversation. Um, as we wrap up, is there kind of what's new, what's next for Tech East? Is there anything that the, uh, the listeners should be aware of that's coming up to you? Yeah, well, um, what's next for Tech East? I mean, I think, I think the, the, the big thing that we really want to build on over the over the next couple of years is this is this you know this sort of trend or phenomenon that I've really started to see happening, which is about big organizations that are perhaps trying to innovate um, whether they are companies or whether they are um, uh, public sector organizations or not for profit organizations trying to innovate and want to work with tech startups and SMEs. And that and, and bridging the gap between those two different types of organizations does require a bit of work. It, there are some cultural differences, there are some language differences, there are some size differences, there are some procurement challenges. But I think COVID really does, um, it does, it does make it, well, it's made it very clear to everyone that collaboration is, is and, and, and sort of working with people that you can trust and do business with is the way forward. And Techies wants to be doing much, much more of that. So we have some, you know, we're, so we're working at the moment with some of the local um, enterprise partnership and uh, local authorities and county councils on how to connect, better connect up, uh, not only startups with larger organizations, but also how to connect up the various hubs across the region. And Bradford Centre is clearly one of those, um, one, you know, one of the lead, one of the leaders in, in, in that field. There are other, but, 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 you know, how can we sort of almost bring some of the Bradfield Centre magic to places like Norwich, to Suffolk, to some of the smaller kind of market towns and smaller town hubs? You know, there's an enormous amount of, um, knowledge and expertise sort of embedded in each of these places with different programs, um, some really, really good people who understand particular vertical markets, for example, manufacturing or energy, you know, really well. How can we bring all that together much more cohesively in a more in, in a more sort of systematic way? So I think, you know, Tech East 
the story is 2006 to 2020 has all been, been about nurturing those businesses in the tech sector itself and trying to open um, open them up to opportunities and link them to opportunities outside. Whereas I think kind of 2021 and beyond will be not just that, but it will also be about kind of really connecting the whole region to digital opportunity across all kinds of business sectors, but with, with tech companies and tech founders and, 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 uh, and technologists at the heart of that. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Um, it was really great hearing about uh, an update on the region and uh, also about the companies that have done quite well uh, with COVID and also the developments where tech has helped um, considering the, the, the COVID challenge. For me, it was really lovely to hear you again. Oh, well, it was lovely to speak to you again. And um, I, I, always, um, I always enjoy doing these kinds of things. It's, it has been a particularly weird few months i think um but i think there's something to be said for you know and this is an example of it you know if you can get the right people together uh you can you can you can continue to do all these good things you know whether it's through podcasts or virtual events or just through you know picking up the phone you don't actually have to be together in, in one place but it helps and when we do come together next i'll look forward to it amazing thanks tim It was really interesting to hear more about companies like Engage Health, um, who helped rural and small doctor surgeries who before COVID didn't have a way to interact with patients remotely. And now they hired companies like Engage Health to help them access those patients remotely um, to keep everybody safe. Um, also, the developing experts from Norfolk, um, I actually know their, their lovely CEO, um, and it was lovely to hear how they've seen a hyper growth with COVID uh, because they help schools teach science uh, online uh, and remotely. And with COVID, that was absolutely crucial. Yeah, and I think it's just you know, really positive to hear that, you know, since his formation in 2017, you know, Tim's seen that steady growth of tech in the east of uh, England uh, to the point where, you know, he's been able to launch his top 100 uh, just, you know, recently. Uh, so, you know, just really great momentum really positive to see um and obviously something that we at the Bradfield Centre you know are huge supporters of um and then you know kind of interesting that we the conversation went into the direction of the future of work and the, the potential future requirements of office space so you know some interesting things there and, and as I said in the conversation we're really keen to hear from anyone um you know we can the only way we can shape our kind of offering is to to hear what potential uh, customers need from us so feel free to get in touch and let us know what you think thank you very much to tim robinson for coming on the show today also want to say thank you to carl homer from cambridge tv for producing today's show you can listen to previous episodes by searching for Inside the Bradfield Centre on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Amazon Music or by visiting bradfieldcentre.com. 